Welcome to the Vineyard Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information on this podcast or other resources, go to vineyardlive.us. To learn more about us, go to thevineyardchurch.us. Welcome to my home. We're so glad you've joined us this weekend as we conclude our series, Nurturing a Secret History with God. All my life, I've never seen a time when having a deep relationship with the Lord is more important. In fact, we have gone to Matthew 6 to look at where it says, do things in secret, pray, fast, give, all to build a relationship. Why? It's the key to not only surviving this time, but thriving in this time. And I think it's absolutely vital that we work on this. Today, I'm going to be speaking on prayer. And what's more important, I'm sitting right here at my kitchen table where I prayed for over 40 years. I want to invite you to come along with me on a journey as I talk about prayer, as I do some praying myself, and I think you'll learn some things. Now, when I think about prayer, I often think about an old ABC TV series entitled The Thrill of Victory, The Agony of Defeat. And... That describes prayer for me. I've been praying for 70 years. Sometimes I prayed before I was saved. Sometimes I prayed when I was saved without the Spirit. I prayed after the Spirit. I've tried it all. And I've had some amazing victories and some really bad defeats in prayer. In fact, I don't know about you, but when COVID came, I thought, no big deal. I'll go right to God and tell Him what I want. We'll get rid of this thing here in a matter of a week or two. We'll be back in the restaurants, back at work. Everything will be fine. You know what? felt like that prayer bounced right off the ceiling. I, it was like, God, where are you? On the other hand, when I reflected, you know, they had said we were going to lose two or three million people. Maybe we lost 100,000 when it's all done, maybe a few more than that. You know, I sit there and say, wow, our church is healthy. I think we've had one or two incidents of COVID among our people. I, I think, God, you really did answer the prayer in part, not quite like I wanted, but It's those kinds of things that keep me moving on. In fact, I've seen some really neat victories in prayer where it's a great opportunity to talk to our Father in heaven. He's come through over and over, giving us wonderful things, which gives us confidence to move on. But I want to ask you, is prayer victory or is it defeat, agony for you? Which one do you tend to find works the most? Which one seems to be happening in your life? We all know where to pray. Jesus asks us to pray. Our Father says pray always when you read through the Bible. Pray without ceasing. We pastors, we love to talk to you about prayer. You know, one of my favorite verses is 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence that we have. If we ask anything according to his will, we know he hears us. And if he hears us, we have it. Your friends are always asking you to pray. You know, pray for this, pray for that. We as a church, I hope we're praying for the whole issue of returning to normalcy, getting to meet again, getting to hug one another, those kinds of things. So prayer is a big, big issue, but I can't tell you how many people come to me and ask me about how do I pray? I struggle in prayer. Where are you? Are you excited about prayer? You know, some are excited and diligent. Some find it boring. I know people don't even believe in prayer that are believers. Wow, that's pretty serious. How are you going to have a secret history if you don't have a connection with God? So, 
I want to dig into some revelations that I've had recently about prayer, how your promises, your prophecies, the whole issue of hope, faith, it all works together. If you're going to pray, you're going to need an effective prayer life. So let's uh, dig in and see some of the things I do. Now, as I go through this, I want to remind you, this is what I do. I'm only showing it to you because I think it is helpful as an illustration, all right? What does Jesus say about prayer? Let's go over to Luke 11. He really said a, a powerful line here in verse 9 to 13. He said, so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. That should be good enough right there, right? But he goes on, keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks the door will be open. You fathers, if you ask for a fish, if your children ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if sinful people or lesser people than God would get, know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to you and the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Stop and think about this for a moment. He said, seek, knock, ask, very, very basic things you'll, you'll receive. He's asking us to ask him, talk to him. See, he wants us to talk. These are good gifts. Nothing he has is bad. We have a good, good father. He wants to fill our pockets. I often have a picture of God running after me saying, you didn't take enough. I want to put more in your pockets. I just slow down. Let him catch up. Let him stuff my pockets. But it goes on. It not only gives us good things, he gives us the Holy Spirit. And that's the game changer. When he comes into your life, he knows how to pray, what to pray, when to pray, where to pray. He's just the everything. As some of you younger people say, he's the bomb. But, you know, he's available for all believers. Everybody gets an opportunity to have the Holy Spirit. He changed my life dramatically. I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit until 1977 when we found out that I wasn't going to have children in a natural way. We ran smack dab into the Spirit, radically changed our prayer life. Suddenly the Bible opened up, promises, prophecies, revelation. It's like, wow, how good is it to get to pray? And it's just been, been powerful. Basically what we learned is that we have a living Father who loves us. He's good all the time. He put a living spirit within us, which allows us to connect with him so that we can partner with the living Jesus Christ as we walk up and down the street. I just sit there and think, wow, our God communicates with us. He wants to talk with us. He put someone in there to help us make it all come to pass. Now, having said that we're to pray, before I go to prayer, I get some tools involved. You know, if you're going to build a project outside, you women are going to bake a cake or something, you get all your things that you need before you start. You get your power tools if you're a guy, you get your boards, your nails, whatever it takes. When you pray, you want to get a few things together. First of all, pick a time, place, make it set, make a routine out of it. This is my place right here. I prayed at this table for 40 years. I get up at 5.30, I make coffee. As soon as it's done, I get dye up. She comes down and we pray together. I want to give a shout out to my good friend, Mike Campion. Mike, you told me years ago, and I'm not sure it's statistically true, but it's worked for us. You said if husband and wives will pray together, there will be no divorce. Pray out loud together. There will be no divorce. We've been doing it for years and years. We don't pray long, maybe 10, 15 minutes, but it's a powerful time. We take time to just 
address you, Father, about how good you are and talk to him and just thank him for how big he is. You know my line, he's bigger, better, more beautiful. I find ways to express that. I'm thankful for what he's done in our lives, what we have, what's in our lives. Second of all, we ask for wisdom. Wisdom to make good decisions throughout the day, to be walking in step with the Spirit. Then we pray over our children, our grandchildren, uh, our, our, our in-laws. We want them to prosper. Some of them have been hit hard with COVID, not the sickness, but the disaster of lower incomes, losing jobs, being furloughed, all that kind of stuff. We want them to prosper. We pray for you as the church. We want you to prosper. We want you to be healthy during this time. We don't want any plagues coming near your dwelling. Number two, we want you to get uh, financially back on your feet. Number three, we want you to be an active, functioning part of the body of Christ. And, of course, we pray for our community leaders and our national leaders that have wise advisors that make wise decisions that affect all of us. So having said that, that that's the very first thing we do. I'm consistent. I'm persistent. I just keep doing it. Whether I have a good day or a bad day, I show up tomorrow. You all show up for dinner, lunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I show up for prayer in addition to that. So make it a habit and get started on it. Second of all, I read the Bible. And my favorite is the one-year Bible. I have read this for 40 years. You can see it's pretty dog-eared. It's full of notes and all kinds of things in here. Let me tell you, uh, this Bible is so important for prophecies, promises, good things, encouragement. Let me tell you about a, prof a prophetic word I got years ago. I, I study this word at least once a month, every year. Uh, I just all the time. I'm constantly going back to it. Psalm 70, Psalm 78, 70 to 72. As, you, as I read this, I relate a lot to King David. And you'll see why in just a moment. He chose his servant David calling him from the sheep pens. He took David from tending the ewes and the lambs, the female sheep and the lambs, and made him shepherd over uh, Jacob's descendants, God's own people, Israel. He cared for them with a true heart. He led them with skillful hands. Um, as you can see that picture there, uh, you know, I loved working with my sheep in the natural. I had no idea it was a, something was building for the future. It just completely surprised me when I did become a shepherd. But some translations actually say God gave him the good heart and God gave him skillful hands. And he certainly taught me how to pastor. So it's just been a neat prophecy that I go back to over and over and over. Uh, on the other hand, there'll be times I, I use the Bible to get my mind changed. In our weekly reading, the nice thing about the one-year Bible gives you a short snippet of the old, new Psalms, Proverbs every day. This week, in the reading, John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came that we might have a rich, satisfying, and abundant life. That encourages me. Or Psalm 115, verse 14, another one of our readings. The Lord gives increase to me and my family, increase in relationship, in health, finances, understanding, wisdom, everything. I just, I claim it for me and my descendants. You're all my descendants, by the way, so you're getting the benefit of that prayer. The third thing I do, and this is probably my secret, are my journal cards. Now, what do I do? I write down prophecies, promises, scripture. Here's what they look like. Just little cards like this. This Bible's full of them. And I know you think I'm kind of old tech using uh, three by five. But I'm so high tech, I photograph them, store them in a file, and then I put them on my iPad. you got to be proud of me. But these are extremely encouraging to me. And uh, I just find these to be a lot of fun. I go over them. 
I go over some of them every day of my life and remind myself. For instance, here's one I've written down about promises. John 14, 12, God promised that I'd see the same in greater works. Here it says Psalm 78, the one I just read to you. Uh, it talks about uh, things are going to get better and not worse. Those encourage me. That keeps me praying. Okay, so let me stop and ask you, what do you do? What do you do for a prayer spot? Do you do it on a regular basis? Are you feeding your spirit with some of this good book, the help that we need? Are you writing it down? Do you keep a journal? Do you have any way that you respond to uh, the things God said to you? Those are precious words. You know, if you talk to your kids and they don't pay attention to them or they forget them, it, you get kind of discouraged just telling them the next thing. I cherish what God says to me. So I just, I, I want you to know it's something I'm going to ask you to do at the end of the service. Work on these three things. Let me tell you about a promise that I had long ago. This has really, really changed my life. Most of you know me as happy, but legal name when I was born was Howard. Howard means chief. Happy means blessed. And as one year old, my uncle gave, that, gave me that name. And um, I didn't really use it much, although my mom said I was really the one kid of her four boys that loved the Lord and spent a lot of time. I'd pray over lawnmowers at one start. I'd pray over raising good sheep, pray over my crops. I, I prayed over everything. I didn't know the Lord, but I thought it was good to pray. In 1986, the Lord said, I want you to use that name. And I said, Lord, I don't get it. You said I'm blessed. Blessed what? I'm blessing you beyond your brothers. I said, Lord, do you know my brothers very well? One of them's world famous. One of them's very wealthy. One of them is favorite of the family. It's like, It'd be hard to get beyond him. He said, don't worry about it. I'll take you beyond it. And just the fulfillment of that has been stunning in my life. If you stop and think, out of a barren woman, he gave us a family. Out of a guy who has an MBA in finances, he built a church. I literally didn't know what a church looked like. In fact, I told God I couldn't do it. And he said, I'm going to give you another promise. And I wrote this one down. He said, I'll teach you how to do it. I'll give you the people that you'll need to build the church with. And number three, I'll give you all the resources you ever need. All you have to do is lead the parade. I was stunned. I said, oh, well, I guess I can do that. And as I look back on it, I realize everything he promised is way beyond my ability. Here's, here's a word to some of you. I never once tried to make any of these things happen. I just tried to do what he told me to do. That's a real key, because a lot of times we get a promise and we think we have to make it happen. You don't have to make it happen. You didn't make the promise. You're not the one who has the ability to make it happen. So I'm encouraging, just let the Lord take over and he'll do his own thing. But all of these promises, prophecies, they help me focus my prayers. That way I'm encouraged, I'm excited, I'm coming to prayer with some enthusiasm. I want to talk to God about it, not only for what I'm going to get, but how's he going to do it? What's he want me to do? What's he adjusting in my life? And we're friends, we, we banter back and forth. But what is this really doing? In Bible terms, it's building on our hope so we can have faith. Now, I just introduced two words that lots of you haven't thought about in regard to prayer. Hopes are those things that attach onto promises, attach onto prophecies, give us the ability to walk in the fullness of what God has said. Why is hope important? Because without hope, you cannot walk in faith. How do I know that? Well, listen to what it says in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Out of the New, Living, uh, New International Version, it says, Now faith is the confidence in what? In what we hope for. And the assurance about what we don't see. See, hopes reach into that unknown realm and bring them into our mind. And then faith reaches into that and brings it into reality. 
Well, it, it's just, it's real, real simple. If you don't have any hope, you don't have much of a prayer life. Why? Because you don't have anything to pray about. You're sort of begging God. God said, don't beg with me. Don't, don't ask me over and over. Have hope, put faith to it, and watch it come into reality. That's the real key. Some of you need to meditate on that. Now, I'm ready to pray. I thought you said you had been praying all this time. No, those are just getting my tools in order. Now I'm ready to pray, and I would like to simply refer you to Matthew 6. I'm going to go through roughly the Lord's Prayer, verses 9 to about 13 or 14, around in there. But here's what I want you to understand. I'm not going to read the prayer. It'll be on the bottom of the screen, but you can see the part I'm going to talk about or pray about. And I'll give you a little indicator how I'd go through this if I were doing a formal prayer setting. The first part, it talks about our Father in heaven, we honor your name or we hallow your name. What are we doing here? We're just setting the stage. God is the best thing that ever happened to us. He's good. He's our friend. He's given us righteousness, peace, and joy. He's adopted us. He's given us sonship. Did you know you already have your inheritance? You're not waiting for inheritance. It said he gave it to you. You're joint heir with Jesus Christ. It's just wonderful. So you spend some time talking about that, getting your focus right. That's building a relationship. Second of all, there's the part in there about the focus on the kingdom. May your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's he saying here? He's saying that everything in the world that we hold dear is from the kingdom or the king. Jesus the king, he launched the kingdom 2,000 years ago. Everything flows out of the death, the burial, the resurrection. What am I talking about? All the salvations, all the healings, all the deliverances, all the finances, all the things we have come from this whole understanding of the king and the kingdom. So we're talking about, we want his will to be done. Thirdly, we're asking for resources. Give us daily bread. You know, th this is a brilliant part of the prayer. Why? Because to do what God calls us to do, to partner with Jesus, we need resources. You don't go to, you're not a soldier on your own. You don't go to war on your own. You go under the authority of somebody. We go as Christian soldiers under the authority of Jesus Christ. He gives us finances, resources, whether that's money, healing, power, gives us souls, gives us new leaders, brings people with a heart to do the things that we want to see done in the kingdom, that he wants to see done in the kingdom. Finally, then, or number four, he talks about the issue of, of sin and forgiveness. And we can thank God that our sins have been forgiven. We can say, Lord, thank you that you forgave my sins. Now help me to be willing to forgive others. Did you know that, and I don't have a study on this, I just made this up because this is what I've seen over my experience. I believe unforgiveness may be the biggest sin in the body of Christ that uh, we struggle with. People just don't want to forgive one another. God forgave you, but we don't want to forgive others. You go on to the next part, there's a part, don't let us fall into temptation. Here the key is Christians take little vacations in their Christian uh, life all day long. And they'll take one and they'll all of a sudden Satan will offer a tempting situation and we make a stupid choice and go that way. We're praying that that doesn't happen, that he doesn't have the ability to overwhelm us, that God provides a way of escape, grace to say no, and to uh, come out on top. And finally, the sixth part of this prayer ends with refocusing on God, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. So, so good to know that he's the one in charge, he's the one who we look to, the power is his, the glory is his, he wants to work through us. It's an exciting way to go. 
Now, I don't always pray it in that particular order. I might mix it up. I might pray one part, not the other part. That's all okay. It just gives you a structure that you can pray with. By the way, I pray a lot informally as well. You know, I could tell you the most famous vineyard prayer that John Wimber, the founder of Vineyard, ever taught us. It goes real simple. I'm going to teach it to you. It's, help, Lord, I need you to show up. I'm in deep, deep trouble, and the water's rising fast. And if you don't show up, I'm not going to make it. So I just say, learn that prayer. It's hard to memorize, but it's easy to say, help, Lord, it'll get you a lot of results. Now, another thing I do is I join every intercessory prayer meeting at the church I can find. I get up and I'm praying at 6.45 on Wednesday mornings, 5 o'clock on Saturday nights. I pray at 8 or at night. It's, it's 8.30 on Sunday morning. Half hour, pray with some of the best prayer people in the whole vineyard. They love to pray. I learn a lot about prayer, and it gives me faith and confidence. There's other people pressing in on the same issues. Brandon Henderson has been leading that, doing an outstanding job. Give him a, a, contact him and he'll get you onto the uh, Zoom call that we're on. Other people walk up to me and say, pray for me. I pray right there. If you tell me you're not feeling well, I say, hey, can I pray for you? Or you can use Diane's famous line she gave us 20 years ago, those seven words that she said, can I pray for you right now? Wow. And most people are shocked when you ask them that, and they're more shocked when you actually pray for them right now. Do it. You'll see some interesting results. If you don't know what else to pray, pray the prayers of Paul. Go into the epistles and find out every time he said, I pray for you. Or pray in the spirit. Just pray in tongues for a while. When you're in the shower or whatever, just you're out mowing the yard, just pray in the spirit. It'll do you a lot of good. Now, I've shared a whole bunch of things about how I pray. You've been behind the scenes. You kind of know where I sit. You know what I do. You know about my Bible. You know about my famous little prayer cards. These are valuable. These are real gold to me. What do you do? So here's your assignment for this week. I want you to pick a time and place where you're going to meet with God. It doesn't have to be in the morning. It can be at night if you can stay awake. Number two, I want you to get a Bible of some kind that you enjoy reading. Do it systematically. I find promises every day, every week in here. Number three, write down some of the things God's telling you. I'm going to give some prophecies during the ministry time that you can start your little collection on. When you do that, you're going to see some very interesting things happen. By the way, people ask me, how do you get a prophecy? Several ways you can get prophecies. Number one, go to the Bible. Number two, listen to the Holy Spirit. He talks. Listen to pastors, prophets, people that are working with you and helping you. Always write them down. Start asking God, what does this mean in my life? How do you want to work this out? What am I to do about it? It forms a relationship. Now, as you do this, here's what's going to happen. Faith and hope are going to rise in your heart. You're going to see your prayer life pick up. You're going to be excited, and you're going to have an amazing opportunity to change the world with Jesus Christ. Why? Because you have developed a secret history, and you have a deep relationship with him. You and him become partners, friends, and things happen, things change, and good things are the result when that occurs. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Blessings. Thanks for listening to the message today. To experience more powerful messages, go to vineyardlive.us or join our Vineyard Live Plus community to view conferences, trainings, and special teachings.